Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Derek Morris. Our topic today is learning a new language. So, sounds like we're learning to speak other languages, but actually learning how to communicate in a winsome way, especially to guests and visitors in your church. Our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, great to have you back with us. I'm delighted again. What a topic. Well, you know what? I, I just came back from South Africa where a pastor said some folks came and, and then he went on vacation. When he came back, they were gone. They said there was, there was no love in the church. And I thought, how tragic. Can, can we learn to develop a new language that's warm and loving and gracious? You know, if we follow the ministry of Christ, we certainly can. Uh, Luke wrote of Jesus that gracious words float out of his mouth. Mm. And when you look at Jesus, Jesus had that ability to relate to people of different cultures, different backgrounds, but he related positively. Somebody said there are three A's of acceptance. There's affirmation, where you affirm the other person. There is appreciation, where you expect to express appreciation for what they have done. If you affirm me, if you appreciate, appreciate. me, and if you ask me about myself, you know, people love to be asked about their, their uh, own lives. And so if we're gentle and kind and reach out to people in a very considerate way, they feel affirmed, they feel accepted in that community. There's something called cognitive dissonance, and cognitive dissonance means that I don't feel that I belong, mm. that I feel friction, I feel tense. And so when a person walks into a church for the first time, if they're greeted by smiling hostesses, if they're greeting by a, greeted by a smiling host, if, they're, if they are guided to the appropriate biblical class that they go in. Let's suppose a person walks into church and uh, they don't know the facility. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to bring their children, but to have somebody there, can I help you with your children? So glad you're here today. And, and to create that atmosphere of warm and friendliness really makes all the difference. Uh, let's, let's reinforce the need for this new language. Uh, you travel all around the world. Um, do you ever hear of people who don't do this well? I wish that I could answer you the question. No, I've never heard anybody that doesn't do this well. But the problem is I hear too many stories. And that may be helpful because some of our viewers, pastors, sure. or lay leaders might say, there's a problem in our community. Sure. That sure. we need to learn this new language of, of you talked about appreciation, affirmation, and, right. and asking. Right, right. In a church that... Um, a very close relative of mine pastors. Um, there's a family that comes to that church and they had not been coming to the church very much at all. They have some teenage sons and one of these boys walked in with one of these um, t-shirts on, but it wasn't a full length arm t-shirt, you know, with the little straps over the top jeans and a t-shirt. It was one of the first times that he had ever come to church. He didn't know. One of the elders went up to him and looked at him and said, if you dress like that, you really ought to stay home. This is the house of God. Mm. Totally devastated the young man. Now, fortunately, there was another adult in the church who had befriended this young man and knew his story. 
And he said to him, look, this young man belongs here, whatever he's wearing. And I think we certainly can get hung up with visitors who may not dress like we do, may not look like we do. There are, there's a statement that I like to share with pastors, it's this, there should be absolutely no standards for church fellowship. Hmm. Anybody should be able to walk through the door of that church as long as it's not going to disrupt that service. There should be biblical standards for church membership and there should be higher standards for church leadership. Do Say that one more time. No, no standards for church fellowship. Anybody should be able to walk into any given church and get the blessing of God no matter what their background is, no matter what they believe, no matter what, everybody is welcome here. It's like Jesus talks about his Father's house being a house of prayer for all oh, people. Oh, exactly. Everybody is welcome here. So no standards for church fellowship, biblical standards for church membership. If you want to become a member of this church, there are God-given biblical standards. You may need to move out from the person that you're living with. For sure. Or, or marry the person. Exactly. Okay. Oh, exactly. Okay. Or habits in your life may need to go. You come to Jesus as you are, but you don't stay as you are. All right. So no standards for fellowship. Anybody can come to that fellowship, that community of believers. Biblical standards for membership, but there ought to be higher standards for leadership. How many churches do you think really practice the first, which is no standards for fellowship? That, they're, that they've developed such a language of love, acceptance, affirmation, appreciation, that any person could walk in and truly feel welcomed and loved and accepted. I think most churches feel that they're warm and friendly, <laughs> but they're warm and friendly with their own click group. Ah. So the warmth and friendliness is for you and me, Derek, but not for the guy that walks in off the street. I'll give you an example. This past uh, Sabbath, in fact, for me, I was in church um, and um, my sister, whose husband is the pastor of the church, happened to be, her husband happened to be preaching. And so I was sitting with my sister and my, my two sisters, my wife and, and my father and uh, in my brother-in-law's church. And my sister whispered to me, you see that couple over there in the back? This is their first time in church today. So I made a beeline for them at the end of the service and said, I am so delighted that you're here. And we began to ask them some perceptive questions, questions that would make them feel affirmed. Yeah, you know, but I'm, I'm amazed. I, I'd like to have a, a whole team of people, if I was a pastor, like you, because you were not the pastor of that congregation or even one of the elders. You were visiting too. Mm -hmm. But you took the initiative to say, how do we... How do we have this language that, that will help them feel welcome? And right after the break, we want to talk about how do we do that? What, what questions would make people feel welcome? What questions would make them feel interrogated or uh, uh, somehow under a microscope? Uh, what can we do to develop a new language so that God can lead guests seeking Him to your community of faith? and they can feel loved and welcome. We'll be right back with some practical help right after the break. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, learning a new language, at least it may be new for some, how to communicate in a winsome way with guests who come to your church. And our guest today, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, you were in the middle of a story about this 
couple who were visiting a church for the first time. You were not a church leader there. You were actually visiting yourself, but you immediately headed over to them. You wanted to communicate with them. You asked some questions. What kind of questions would you ask? Well, you know, Derek, there are really two kinds of questions you can ask. One a threatening and one a non-threatening question. Threatening questions leave people closed and defensive and hostile. Give me an example of, a, of, of an inappropriate question sure. to ask. Let's suppose it's right after the service and um, I see a couple that I've never met before and I go over to them and say something like this. Wasn't that a wonderful sermon today? Didn't the pastor preach the truth? We call that a loaded question. Yeah. They're expecting us, they're required to give a certain response. Exactly. Okay. And it can be a little intimidating to okay. them. Um, or I might pick out something in the sermon. This would be an inappropriate question. And I say, you know, that point really touched me. Didn't it touch you? Right, right. What right. if it didn't touch them? Right. You know, I'm kind of, or an inappropriate question would be uh, something like this. Oh, this is your first time here? Um, why haven't you been here before? <laughs> you know, I mean, right, right. right. That's very inappropriate. Or don't you think that you should dress a little, like the man I talked to this week didn't have a suit and tie on. So to comment right. on, don't you think you should dress a little bit better than this? So right. those are kind of threatening questions. Yes. Questions that presuppose a certain response that are not open-ended. Right. When I went over to this couple, I looked at them and I said, you know, I, I haven't seen you guys here before. Is this kind of your first time here? You know, just a little hesitating. And they said, yeah, it really, really is. And I said, I'm always interested. I said, you know, well, first I introduced myself. Of course, I said, hey, I'm Mark. And, uh, um, and the way I picked up this conversation, let me go back and kind of get it at the beginning. They had a little girl and when the children's offering came, she had participated in the children's offering and I noticed her. So I said, man, I noticed your little girl participate in the children's offering. That was kind of cool. That was neat. Uh, and I hadn't noticed you here before. Was this your first time? And they said, oh, yes, it was. And I said, well, I'm Mark and I uh, just wanted to welcome you. And what are you guys' names? And so they told me what their names were. And we talked just a little bit. Then I said to them, I'm always interested in learning why people come to a church for the first time. I, I, it's just kind of fascinating to me. And and what brought you here? I mean, did you just walk in? Did you see the church sign? And they said to me, this man, young man said to me, you know, up until the time I was seven years old, I attended a Seventh-day Adventist church, mm. but then I hadn't attended for years. And I told my wife that if I ever went back to a church, I would go back to an Adventist church. It was, there was something about it. I, we began keeping the Sabbath in our home about four or five weeks ago, didn't know where a church was. We drove by this church, hmm. saw the sign, hmm. and decided this was our time to come in. And she said, yeah, this was our first time, but it's not our last. So I wanted to bond with them, particularly so because I was a visitor there, that I could direct somebody else that would nurture them, that right. would encourage right. them, that would, that would, I didn't want them to walk in. They actually sat in the last row of the church you know, and I didn't want them to feel isolated. I didn't want them to feel alone. Um, so to me, the key thing is showing an interest in other people, an interest in the husband, the wife, the family, the children, so that they feel there's warmth. And there's then love. asking an open-ended question. You know, sometimes people try to guess they're like, well, are you here because you're having marital problems? Right, right, No. Right. Are you here because you're having health problems? No. You didn't ask any closed questions at all. You, you just said, I'm interested. 
what brought you here? Yeah, exactly. Can't be answered with a yes or no. Right. I wanted to draw them out so I could understand something about their spiritual background, so I could understand something about their spiritual journey. And I learned that they had not been attending any church for many, many, many years. And they went back to the church that he had a relationship with in his childhood. There was mm -hmm. something about it that drew him back. That was very, very important to me. Um, let me share with you another experience that was a very positive experience that was kind of the opposite experience that I told at the beginning of this young man that came in with the jeans and was kind of rebuffed for his clothes. The, guy, the young man's name was Chad. He had been coming to church for many years. He was about 17 or 18, but he felt that church was irrelevant. He felt that church was, he couldn't relate to it in his late teens. And so he went out into the party life, began drinking some, riding his motorcycle through town. And one Saturday morning, he was riding on his motorcycle with his jeans on and his white T-shirt, defying the helmet law, long hair blowing in the breeze. And he just sped past the church that he had been brought up in as a child. He hadn't been back for two or three years. And so what happens is he sees all the cars in the parking lot. He remembered that he had a few friends in that church. Mm. And he said, you know, I want to go by and see my friends. But it was late. It was like church started at 11. It was like 11.15. So he pulls his motorcycle into the parking lot. You know, comes into the parking lot. They are singing the opening hymn. Now, when everybody is standing up in church and you walk in the back, you can't see where the pews are to sit. So he began walking down the aisle, you know, kind of looking all around, to try looking for a pew, couldn't find it. He gets about two-thirds of the way toward the front, and he's totally embarrassed. He doesn't want to turn around and walk out. So he sits down in the aisle when everybody else sits down. That's all he knew what to do, so he sat down there. There is an elder in that church that believed that if you wore anything but a white shirt to church, you were an abomination to the Lord. I mean, black suit, white shirt, black tie, and this elder began walking down the aisle. Now, you can imagine it. Every eye in that church those hundred, two hundred eyes, whatever it was, are looking at that elder and they're boring a hole in him because they know what's going to happen. He's going to go down and say to that kid, kid, out of here. I mean, you're sitting in the aisle, long hair, a little smelly, white t-shirt, black dungarees. Came out, in late. Came in late. You're out of here. <laughs> they were shocked. The old man sat down in the aisle, sat right next to the kid, put his arm around the kid and said, Chad, I haven't seen you for a while. I'm so glad you're here. Can I sit with you? Through the service, the old man sat in the aisle with the kid. At the end of the service, he looked at him and he said, Hey, you look like you need a little something to eat. And my wife makes a mean apple pie. How about coming home with me? Chad went home with him that day, Derek. And they hiked, they talked. And Chad said later, That is what brought me back to church. I can't remember the sermon that was preached. I can't remember what happened that day. But I do remember an old man sitting around putting his arm around me when I thought he might be coming to bawl me out. Mm. That is the language of love. That is the language of Jesus. Using the terminology of learning a new language, that man learned a new language and, and we can learn a new language too that will build a bridge of love. We'll talk about that some more right after the break.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, learning a new language, how to communicate in a winsome way to people who come to visit your church. Our guest, Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, you just shared a remarkable story about this elderly gentleman walking up to the long-haired young guest who just sat in the aisle. I'm guessing most people were expecting the typical response that he'd given in past times. They were. And I think what changed him is that there's a variety of things. Obviously, the Holy Spirit was working in his life. But when he saw this young man come in, whom he hadn't seen for so long, the Spirit of God worked in his life. And he wanted to do two things. One, show acceptance, and second, show affirmation. And to me, the new language of love begins when we ask two questions. One, how can I show acceptance to this person? Mm -hmm. Not looking at what's wrong in the person's life, but how can I show acceptance? And secondly, what can I do to affirm something in this person? So when Chad walked in, the elder first showed acceptance by walking down the aisle and putting his arm around him. Yes. That's, that's saying, I'm accepting you. Right. You don't have to speak anything. Right. The first words out of his mouth were, Chad, I'm so glad you're here. Yes. That's affirmation. That is an affirmation. So that's affirmation. So, so when people walk into our church, first acceptance in some way, whatever they look like, whatever they're wearing, whatever their background, accepting, we are, and then affirming, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And back to the story of the couple with the little girl. Yeah. Part of your affirmation was affirming the little girl who participated sure. in collecting up the children's offering. You know, Jesus did that so often. Um, where the scribes and Pharisees put people off. Mm. Jesus, for example, said to a Canaanite woman, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Mm. I mean, that's affirmation. Yes. You're not far from the kingdom of yes. God. Uh, to, to another, Jesus said, a publican, he, Jesus said this. He said to him, you, I haven't seen such great faith as yes. I've seen in all of Israel. Right. So here are people that Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. I've not seen centurion. much faith. Yes. Yeah, the centurion. Right. So powerful. powerful because Jesus constantly affirmed and he constantly demonstrated acceptance. The thief on the cross. Yes. Jesus didn't condemn him for his sins. He said, you will be with me in paradise. And not just you'll make it, but you'll be with me. Yeah, exactly. That's quite an affirmation. And then, and then what about the woman caught in adultery, yes. cast at Jesus' feet? Jesus doesn't go back and rehearse all of her evil sinfulness. Right. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Right. So it's not that Jesus accepts people in their sin, mm but Jesus accepts people for who they are in spite of their sin. And there's a story that jumped out, and I'm so glad that you said that because I'm thinking of Luke 15, yeah. where Jesus fellowship with publicans and sinners, and he was criticized. Yeah. And then he, of course, tells the story about how God feels about lost people, lost sheep, lost right. coin, lost yeah. sons. Do we run a risk when we learn this new language where we accept people just where they are and we, we affirm them, find something positive to say. Do we run the risk that some of the s folks in church will criticize us for that? We do, and often this is considered to be cheap grace. You know, that, that the grace of God flows to every human being and uh, that doesn't that minimize sin. 
we come to Jesus just as we are. We accept people just as they are. And it's that acceptance that motivates a change in behavior. It's that affirmation that motivates a change in behavior. People come to Christ just as they are, but they don't remain as they are. Because in the context of His love, His grace, His affirmation, grace not only is God's gracious mercy and love to forgive us, but grace has to do with God's divine power to change us. So we are not saying that people come to church and there is no transformation in their lives. There is. But what is it that causes the transformation? It's not condemnation. Mm. It's not pointing out all their sins. Mm. It's in an environment of love you change. In an environment of affirmation you change. In an environment of acceptance you change. Does change come? Yes. But how does change come is the question. So I'm assuming that if, if you were to say, maybe there's a pastor or a lay leader watching saying, I want to change the culture of our church. I mean, I want it to become, to have a new language. Um, could you do a training program? Would it be good to have like a team of people mm -hmm. that learned how to ask the right kind of questions, learned how to appreciate and affirm? I think the most important team in the church, at least one of the most important, is your hospitality team. Um, training your hospitality team, men and women both, young and old both. If, in my hospitality team, I wouldn't want to have all middle-aged men and women. Mm. I'd want in my hospitality team some young 20s. I'd want in my hospitality team some seniors. And they may rotate week after week, certainly, but there would, they would be the certain same faces at that door. And I would spend time with them talking to them about how to draw people out, how to ask the right questions, mm. how to affirm people, how to channel people into the right classes, a visitor channeled into a visitor's class, mm. their children channeled into the right appropriate age group classes, um, channeled to, if we have a welcome center at the church, channeled to that welcome center so that they can receive the appropriate material that they might be interested in and what care group they might be involved in. But I think it's absolutely critical to train that team. And I think as a pastor, secondly, I remember a time that I was meeting with one of the largest uh, insurance exec company executives in the United States. And he said to me, where do you go immediately after preaching? And I said, there's no other place to go except to the door so I can greet people. He said, I asked that of pastors and he said, one of the ways I evaluate a successful pastor is where he goes immediately after he preaches. Mm. Is he fellowshipping with the people? Yes. Is he getting his arms around people? Because he said, after all, your ministry is a people ministry. If the congregation sees in their pastor love, warmth, and acceptance, if they see him inviting people to dinner, if they see him uh, loving and reaching out, and if he trains them to do the same, that will be a powerful church with the language of love. You know, I want to be a part of a church like that, and it sounds like if, if someone's watching, if you're watching, you say, we don't even have a hospitality team, you could take some principles that you've learned here on Ministry in Motion. You could build a team with some diversity, some older, some younger. Teach them to ask simple questions. Teach them how to show affirmation, appreciation. What a difference it could make in your church community and bless the lives of those who sense God calling them to find their way home. 
We're glad you joined us for Ministry in Motion today. We also would like you to go to our website, ministryinmotion.tv. We've got a special resource for you there. This international journal for pastors called Ministry, you may be eligible for a complimentary subscription. Come six times a year to your home, could continue to help you as you grow as a great Christian leader. If you're a lay pastor in your church or lay leader, we also have some tremendous resources at our website, ministryinmotion.tv. Well, thanks for joining us for Ministry in Motion today. Learning a new language, I pray that you found some tools that will help you to be a great Christian leader and a blessing to those around you.